Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Excuse me, sir, uh, we normally don't leave the door open and let the homeless walk in. What's your name? All right, that's enough. <laughs> it's been two, this has been the longest I have not been on. I was just two say, weeks. I was gonna, we thought it was three. Weeks. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's been three weeks. Yeah. So, because Christmas and New Year's, yeah. you know. Well, did so. you enter our guest book and sign in? <laughs> well, not yet, but I will. Okay. Before I leave. Did you have a good Christmas season? Did. You know. Now you had 934 people there. Uh, well, not quite. But it, 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 people in and out, you know, revolving door, family, kids, grandkids. Oh, and, yeah. And of course, Doors left open. And, and, of course, a week ago, as, as you remember, January 1st, New Year's Day yeah. was big celebration because it was my birthday yeah as a matter of fact i uh, i was listening to trump on uh i think it was fox and friends that morning and he said that oh my goodness i can't issue a tweet this morning because dr turner doesn't like it oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway you know another birthday and you're sure i know old. it's just a, it's you're just, sure old it's just another number but yeah it is man that it is kind of hit me in the head well wait till next year uh, I know, buckaroo i know i know okay yeah okay. what are we going to talk about okay so so uh, I'm taking this from a book called Six Decades Back, and this is the guy I've told you about. His name is Charles Walgamont. Oh, yeah. He used to live over here. Right. He lived yeah. at the City of Rocks yeah. and at the Rock Creek Station. Yep. And so this is a story that, out of his book, what he tells, that happened right here by us. And I'll talk about uh, some of the places that we both know Maybe about. Maybe we right should here. step outside and see if he's still it's, there. It's windy, and it's <laughs> cold out there. We're <laughs> not. So... I'm going to step out on a limb and say, if anybody knows of a guy named George Goodhart, let me know. Because this is a story about this guy named Charles Goodhart, all right? I've heard that name. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, there may be some relatives still around this area. Okay. So, All right. Anyway, uh, so George had been uh, camped at a place called Rattlesnake Stage Station. Oh. Now, for those of the, you that don't know, that's actually about seven miles northeast of Mountain Home. So between us and Boise is Mountain Home, uh, where they have the Air Force, uh, and about seven miles from there is where the stage station was. Wouldn't that be on that highway that comes down into Mountain Home from Fairfield? I, it could be, yeah. Northeast. I think so, yeah. And actually, that was originally Mountain Home, by the way. They actually moved, they had a uh, stake station and a mail, uh, so you could get mail there. I didn't know. And they moved it down to where it is now, where uh, Mountain Home is. Really? Yeah. But so, that road coming in, I can't think of the highway number. Uh, yeah, from Fairfield over, I can't remember either. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so he'd been camped at the station for a couple of weeks, and one afternoon he saddled his horse, and he rode to a construction camp of the Oregon Short Line Railroad, and he was going to get the mail that might be there for himself or those who lived at the station. Well, it had been several days since anyone had called for the mail, and there was quite a bundle of papers that had accumulated. So George divided them into two bundles and tied them to his saddle, 
Now, it was a considerable distance from the construction camp to Rattlesnake, Rattlesnake Station. That's hard to say. It is. So night came on before George reached camp. Uh, he stopped and was taking his bearings when he noticed one of the packages he'd been carrying was gone. Remember, he divided the mail between two bags, mm-hmm. so one of them was gone. Now, he remembered having them both when he crossed a place called White Sage Gulch, and that was some six miles from the construction camp. Well, he'd intended going to Boise City on the following day, so he decided to kick out early the next morning, get the papers before breakfast, and still get a reasonable start to Boise. So he, was, he pretty well knew where he'd lost the, the, the mail. So daylight Was that a one-day trip? Yeah, yeah. Was it really? Yeah, I think it was. Well, maybe not, because he had to double back. But anyway, daylight the next morning found George in the saddle. He found the papers near where he had crossed this white sage gulch. And near there, he found a horse trail that kind of interested him more than the papers. Mm. Now, this trail, this horse trail, had passed east across his trail of the night before. Okay, Now, that's going to come back on us, is it? Oh, okay. Now, George was an expert tracker. And you know how good some of those guys were. I mean, oh, they, yeah. they were amazing. Yeah. But uh, for some time since the Indians had stopped making trouble, he'd spent most of his time helping the civil authorities run down horse thieves and bad men who had come into the country with the railroad. And as George kind of leaned forward in his saddle, and he's looking at these tracks. Now, this is amazing to me, Zeb. With his trained eyes, he found there were six horses with three riders, each rider uh, leading a horse. Now, now I, I'm, really? just, I'm just amazed that he, number one, could figure out that there were six horses and that three of them were being ridden and the other three weren't. I went to school with a guy that was an excellent tracker, and he could put his ear down on a railroad track and, and then look at you and say, train coming. Train coming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing, he found that five of the horses were shod and one horse was not. In the snow, he found all that. No, this no, this is in the summertime. Oh, it was summertime. Yeah. Okay. So uh, actually, that's almost tougher, I think. It, yeah, be, you know, depending on the dirt. But anyway, George followed the trail for a little ways to find the general course that they had taken. He could see that the riders were acquainted with the country because they were avoiding the construction camps in their general course up the Snake River. Now, uh, so he left the trail just. You know, kind of making a note in his mind. Uh, and he rode to the camp. He ate a good breakfast. Then he headed, headed for Boise City, following the old stage road at the crossing of a place called Indian Creek. He found three men that were looking for horse thieves. Now, these guys, George didn't know these guys, and he asked them, uh, you know, uh, about the horses and one thing or another. And they said, well, there's a man that's leading five horses that have been stolen. Oh. Okay, so right there, uh, and George, uh, he told them that the night before that uh, some man had stolen some horses from the racetrack at Boise, five head of very fine horses and a saddle. Now, uh, there was quite a bit of money that had been offered by the owner for the return of the horses, and the sheriff had also added an additional sum for their capture. Now, these men that were hunting these the horse thieves told George that they had scoured the country from Indian Creek to Boise City, but no signs had been found. And they felt sure that the thieves had left Boise, but from a different direction. Now, George, keep in mind, he's kind of a quiet guy, and he saw these tracks, and at this point he thinks that these three thief hunters are probably the stupidest guys in the world as far as trying to track 
the horse thieves. But he didn't say anything, and he said goodbye, and he moved on towards... Well, he didn't tell him what he saw. No. Uh, so, because uh, he, oh. he didn't really know a lot yet. Okay? I see. So he's moving on towards Boise. He rode directly to the stable of the sheriff, because uh, this is where he kept his horse when he was in town. Well, when the sheriff uh, was aware of his presence, they asked his help in hunting the horse thief. Well, arrangements were made regarding the reward and the expenses, and George expressed himself as being confident that he could pick up the trail and overtake the thief. Now, still, they're thinking he's just one guy, okay? If he were given a fresh horse and a man as a deputy. So he just said, you know, give me a man, give me a fresh horse, and I'll try to find the thieves. So, anyway, his request was complied with, and he purchased some prepared food. The deputy that was to accompany him said he would not bother taking anything to eat because he was sure he would find some camp along the road where he could get something to eat. Not a very smart guy. Mistake number one. Yeah. Well, George and his deputy traveled east over the stage road. Now, this was the stage coach line that Ben Halliday uh, owned at this time. Which, went, which would have gone through where? Well, all through this area. No, but I mean, so, it would have gone where almost the interstate is. Pretty close. Yeah. 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 So, But anyway, they traveled east over the road uh, some distance out of Boise. And here they met three men, the, the three men that weren't too smart, that were trying to track the horse thieves. And these men were not sure that the stolen horses had left Boise at all, especially not going east. Well... George had not spoken a word to a soul about finding the trail that he'd found a couple of days previous. Now, the deputy expressed himself as thinking that he and George were looking in the wrong direction, but George said nothing. Well, when they traveled some distance, George said, quote, let us leave the stage road and get a little south, and I think we will strike their trail. Well, sure enough, it was only a short distance until he came across the trail. George counted the horses by their tracks for the deputy and pointed out that there were three men instead of one. Again, knowing, I mean, it's such a good tracker. Now, from this point, they continued to follow the trail of the stolen horses, stopping only to give their horses a little rest. And now, grass. this is George and one other guy. And the deputy, yeah, the volunteer. Now, the What tra- happened to the three dummies? Well, they just... <laughs> They're probably still out there looking. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, anyway, the trail, uh, after striking, actually right down here by us, Deb, the the Hagerman Valley. No. Just a few miles uh, west of us right here uh, by the Snake River. Oh, my. So they followed the north bank of the Snake River Canyon and at Devil's Corral. You know where that is? Over here just across from Twin Falls. This is where they found where the horse, the thieves had stopped for a rest and water. Now, George felt sure that he'd gained some on them, but his horses were beginning to get a little tired. I mean, they'd been riding pretty hard, you know, for a couple of days now. And the deputy didn't have any food. (laughs) I wonder if George shared, you know. (laughs) He had a Snickers. Yeah. So a few hours ride up the river brought them to a cattle ranch owned by a Mr. Shoddy. Now, Shoddy was one of the first ranchers over here between us and Burley yeah. out in this area. Yeah. So, um, Isn't there a farm on the Snake River? Uh, I think it was. I yeah. think that was part of his. Yeah. But anyway, so at Shoddy's ranch, they got some fresh horses. Now, the thieves had avoided the ranch and had not been seen by anybody at the ranch. So now with their fresh horses, George and his deputy rode to Stars Ferry. We know where that is. Just That's only a couple of miles north of us right here where you live. Yeah. So, and just below the mouth of Goose Creek, where they found the thieves had crossed the river. Now, Mr. Starr informed George that there were three men 
pretty rough looking characters with the outfit, and Mr. Star was sure that they were headed for Salt Lake. For what? For some reason. Wait a minute! I thought you said they went north across the river. Okay. Well, so they gave the impression. Oh, the plot thickens. To Mr. Star, yeah. that they were going to head south to you know to Salt Lake. Well, uh, they had asked about the road to Albin. Okay, that's probably why he thought. Oh yeah, you guys are headed to Corinne, Utah, and yeah. down that way. And they were only seven or eight hours ahead of George and his deputy, so not that far of a head start. Now, George felt sure that the thieves had uh, kind of deceived Mr. Starr as to their intended destination. And as they traveled around the ferry, it was impossible to follow the tracks. He kind of lost their tracks for a little bit. But he found that the thieves had actually doubled back down the river on the south side. So now they're on the south side of the river. Where would they have done that? Okay, I'm going to say it's between us and Burley, right through this area. Is there a low enough spot in the water? Well, I, I'm thinking they're going to have to swim across because, uh, yeah. you know. They didn't have the dam then. No, huh? Okay. No. So, anyway, so George went back to the ferry, got the deputy, and uh, he said he knew they would overtake them in a few hours, and he told his deputy that he thought they were headed for Nevada, but would stop at the Rock Creek store some 25 miles west where the thieves would feel that they were pretty much safe. Are we going in a circle here? We are, kind of, yeah. yeah. So now they're back uh, kind of west and south of us right here yeah. at Murtaugh. Well, George had some acquaintance uh, with Mr. Stricker the, that owned the, the yeah. Rock Creek Station. And um, George related uh, that in all his experience with bad men, he had never been compelled to kill that by using tact and being ready to be the first at the trigger, he had made arrests without a shot. So George was, a, I guess, a bounty hunter, you could say. Really? But he had never killed anybody in the course of tracking down outlaws. So anyway, with their fresh horses, they soon made Rock Creek store. They rode their horses into a long barn that was built uh, to accommodate travelers. It's still there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And so George glanced at the horses in the barn, and he saw the five head of stolen Uh horses. Uh-oh, the plot thickens. Yeah. Now, this part of the reward was sure, because they were going to get a reward if they got the horses. Okay, okay. by the, the owner of the horses. But to capture the men might be a little different, and it was certain that they were in the store or the saloon, which was attached to the Rock Creek store. So, uh, picture this. They leisurely went into the store, him and the deputy. Yeah, the guy with no food. <laughs> He's hungry now. <laughs> and I'm wondering if he took his, his badge off, too. I don't know. Okay. So, they opened the saloon door, and there was kind of a scuffling of feet at the card tables, and there sat the three men. That were wanted. Okay, but now the three guys, the bad guys, didn't know George Walgamot and the deputy. No. So they could have been just... Okay, now this is George, George, what did I say? Goodhart. Goodhart. Yeah. And so Goodhart and the deputy could have been anybody. anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, they didn't know who they were. So George knew that his presence was not known until the opening of the door, and he could see that the three men were ready uh, to draw and shoot. So Uh they, they they were on the alert. Yeah. But they still didn't know who he was. So there was only one man in the saloon besides Mr. Stricker, okay, and the three horse thieves. So if you got this, you got the bartender, Mr. Stricker. We've got a Clint Eastwood movie here. Another guy standing there, and then the three thieves. Yeah. So here comes George and the deputy walking. Josie Wales. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this man uh, was named uh, uh, Tom uh, Canavan. Now, George knew Canavan. He knew this guy. And he rapidly approached him and said, well, hello, Tom. He says, we're on our way uh, from Fort Hall to Tascora, and if Mr. Stricker will give us quarters, we will stop for the night. 
He says, I have swallowed a peck of dust along the Oregon Trail, and I think we had better all have a little drink. Mr. Stricker stepped behind the bar and set up four glasses, including himself. They clinked glasses, drank the liquor, and George threw down a silver dollar in payment. Now Mr. Stricker pushed the money back, saying, quote, Travelers always have a drink coming on their arrival at the Rock Creek store. Really? So the plot's thickening a little bit. Oh. All right. So George took the money, kind of smacked his lips, and said, Well, that tastes just like another. You gentlemen at the table, can you quit your game long enough to take a social drink with us? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they pushed their chairs back and carelessly came to the bar. And as quick as lightning, George drew his gun and demanded all, demanded all hands up. And when the command was obeyed, the deputy disarmed the men, snapped the handcuffs on the wrist, and then they all had a drink to each other's health. No kidding. <laughs> and, and then the deputy left from McDonald's. He, he was hungry. He, this guy was hungry. So. so George Goodhart basically caught three guys all by himself. Pretty much. I mean, the deputy was, uh, yeah, just a footnote, really. I he mean, was a Barney. He was. I wonder if he even had one bullet I don't know. in his pocket. Oh. So, so they... Did what with them? Well, they just took them back to Boise. They went all the way back to Boise yeah. with them? Uh-huh. Yeah, because that's where they were stolen. The horses were stolen. And they took the horses back. Yeah. And and he might have got some help. Well, I guess here's where the deputy might have been a little bit of help. He, he could lead the the stolen horses or whatever. Yeah, but when you got three guys... And you're going 150 miles. Yeah. And these guys have got to get off their horses every now and then. Nature calls, etc. you got to really be careful. Yeah. I mean, uh, did they even uncuff them? I don't know. You know, I... I, Where did George get all the handcuffs? Well, when the sheriff... Or did uh, they tie him up? Well, it says handcuffs. So I'm thinking that the sheriff, when he left Boise, gave him handcuffs. You know, they thought it was only one thief, but really there were three. So I'm assuming he must have had two or three sets of handcuffs. And I still can't help it. Pardon me. But I'm worried about the three stooges. Whatever happened to them? (laughs) Well, I think they had to find other employment. (laughs) You know what? Anytime I go up in that area from now on and I see three riders a horseback, I'm going to stop and ask. (laughs) Have you found those? Have you found them yet? (laughs) But, you know, these trackers were amazing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, these guys, well, just for an example, uh, if they saw, uh, there was a bird called the, what, the mud dauber, I think it's called. And if they saw, a, if they were out in the middle of the desert, okay, and they saw a mud dauber flying with mud, uh, mud in its beak, they knew the bird was coming from water. If the bird was going another direction, didn't have any mud in his beak, they knew that he was headed for water. And so to try to find a place to get water out in the middle of nowhere, and then just uh, so many other little things like the tracks the uh, and being able to tell how long. Can you do that kind of stuff? <laughs> I have our time even seeing the bird, let alone. Well, no, but I mean, the only time I can track anything is in the wintertime when it snows and somebody drives in my yard and I can come home and say, Dan, yep. somebody's been here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you, up, uh, my brother and I were out. El- or my brother and I were elk hunting one year yeah. over by Sun Valley, Ketchum, Bellevue area. Yeah. And we were on horseback. We went, uh, cl- climbed up the mountain, went through some pretty rough brush. And by the time we got on top, my brother's gun was gone. He had it in the scabbard. His rifle was gone. And we thought, oh, dear, this, you know, we've got to backtrack. Yeah. So we went back to the bottom. We split up. And I did follow some tracks uh, that were the, our horse tracks, but it was snowing. 
and I couldn't tell if we were elk or deer for sure or our horses. But and elk took his gun. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and anyway, I, as I was walking and climbing and going through brush and one thing or another, I came into a clearing, and I knew that we'd gone across that clearing and gone out through some really heavy, dense brush on the other side. So I started climbing through that, and believe it or not, there in that heavy brush, I found the rifle. You did find st- it. Still in the scabbard, and yeah. Oh, so, uh, I, I won't I'm going to refer to you as Daniel Boone. I, I won't say my tracking ability was that good, but, you know, well, the important thing was this was my dad's hunting hunting rifle, and we didn't want to go home and face Dad and say, oh, by the way, Dad, your gun's up there somewhere. Yeah, but let's go back to the story for a minute, though, because distances and miles. I mean, first of all, you're talking about coming over from basically like uh, uh, Bellevue area, yeah. going over the mountain and into Mountain Home area. Yeah. Then you're talking about going to Boise. Then you're talking about George Goodhart turned around with the deputy and met with the Three Stooges someplace and came all the way down to Minicasha area yes, that's and almost... made a big, big circle around there. And then he came all the way over here to south of Hanson, caught the bad guys. I mean, we're not talking 150 miles. No. We're talking over well over 225. Well, then that's one way. Yeah. I mean, so we're... We got to say how long anyway, did it take four, him? Four hundred miles, uh, four fifty maybe. Oh, so yeah. you know, it really doesn't say how long it took because you know to go from here back to Boise he had to take at least and three the days. deputy is going to starve to death. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably starting to chew on his gloves or something. <laughs> you know, people that go out in the winter time or any time and they're not prepared for the elements. Oh well, we don't need to. I'll be back in a couple hours. That's stupid. Well, I tell you what, living around here all these years, I always pack uh, extra coat, coveralls, boots, and gloves in the back of my vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. Because you never know when you're you're going to find those three stooges that are still out there someplace. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it really amazes me, though, that as populated as it is today... You know, I mean, look at the Minicash area over there by Stars Ferry, and look at over here by Rock Creek Strickers and everything. And and then let your mind wander back 150 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's wide open country. It is. And even just not getting lost. Yeah. I, I, that's I one mean, thing. I, you, I'm not very good at directions. And, you know, you get up into some of the thick of the trees, like up around the Island Park area. Oh, my. You know, and you got to know where you're headed to get through all those trees. Yeah. So... <laughs> If you got lost, can you, on a clear day with no clouds, no mountain ranges or anything, can you find all your directions? You know, if I can see the sun, you know, hopefully I have it. I didn't say it was sunny. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think about the the people on the sailing ships. Oh, my. You know, how did they know how to find an island like the Hawaiian Islands when they were sailing? Well, like in Lonesome Dove, when uh, old P.I. was uh, leaving Gus and going to go back for help. I mean, well, it's that direction. Well, that direction's a big direction. You might miss the whole herd. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to me. But... You know, as they say, you know, the Indians followed the trails that the deer and the elk made. Yeah. The Indians followed those trails. The trappers followed their trails. And pretty soon you had uh, uh, people coming out, the miners, and they followed them. And and we, of course, in our day and age, we really take a risk and we follow the interstate. (laughs) And and hopefully not get lost. (laughs) Hey, that was a great story. I appreciate that one. Charles Goodhart, if anybody knows this guy or relatives... 
and I'm not even sure where he was from. Uh, I mean, all this happened around here, but I don't know. He might have been from Boise, even. Yeah. I don't know. Tell you what, uh, your homework assignment for next week is, I know you're going to go back and do this on the computer. Find out whatever happened to those three guys, <laughs> would you please? <laughs> Doctor History, God bless you. Excellent story this week. Thank you, Zeb. Thank you. Always look forward one. to Tuesdays.